Hello, and welcome back to the Webtoon Room. I'm Will. And I'm Crudy. And today, we're here to ring in 2021, talking about I'm the Grim Reaper Season 2. I'm excited about this one. It's been a while since we discussed I'm the Grim Reaper. That was one of our early episodes. <laughs> early episode indeed. Our quality is definitely going to be better this time around, so I'm excited to get into it. Let's do this. I'm the Grim Reaper is a webtoon by Graveweaver, as many of you may know, and it just had its season two finale. If you're like us and you like the series, we highly encourage you to check out Grave Weaver's Twitter and Instagram and follow along there. I know she has a ton of exciting activities planned for the hiatus, including Brooke But Tuesday, which you'll just have to check out her socials to find out what that means. But it's amazing. Uh, and while you're at it, feel free to check us out as well. We're on Twitter and Instagram at The Webtoon Room. And we do, if I say so, some pretty fun stuff on our social media as well. So we're excited to have you there. But coming back to the episode, we also want to quickly issue... Spoiler warning for all of Season 2. We're going to be discussing it all. If you don't want to be spoiled, turn back now. Crudy, where should we start with Season 2? I want to start with Chase and Scarlet. These two have gotten so close this season. It's really nice to see. Yeah, and they start to get really close from the very beginning of season two, where Scarlet opens up to Chase and tells him about her identity as a Grim Reaper. To be honest with you, I think Chase took it pretty well. It's a lot to process. Scarlet is a Reaper, and she also reveals the truth about the afterlife. And uh, he was kind of like, okay, I'm going to need a second. Okay. <laughs> he definitely takes it all in stride. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about this is that I think having the secret out in the open, he's able to understand and explain some of the discrepancies that he's noticed with her. He knows now that she has to kill a sinner a day, and that's why she smells like blood sometimes. And with this openness, I think these two just get closer and closer, and they've pretty much become attached at the hip, I think. Yeah, and as we'll discuss later on, there's a lot of intimate moments between these two characters. Definitely. But the other cool thing, too, now is that they're also actively working together. Now that Chase is in on the secret, he is the one helping her find sinners every day, and they've got a little operation going. Yeah, we get the full buddy cop treatment. Definitely. And you mentioned intimacy, which I actually think is the perfect word to describe them. Because they really do develop a lot of intimacy in their relationship in season two. They both really value and treasure each other deeply. And everyone around them can kind of see it. And I think even Chase knows, even though Scarlet is herself a little oblivious, they love each other quite a lot. And it's unclear exactly how that love leans, whether or not it is romantic, remains to be seen. But they certainly have that foundation. Yeah, there's a really intimate scene 
right after when Chase gets stabbed, the two of them just talk. Yeah, and Chase pretty much directly admits that he deeply cares for Scarlet. I I think that they're both on the same page with each other, that they really care about each other. And it's funny, too, because we have never seen Chase blush this hard about anything ever. Neither for Scarlet. Yeah, I know. They're usually not these kinds of characters. And you can tell that for Chase, he feels way out of his element. He's like, I am deeply uncomfortable, but you deserve the truth. And Scarlet takes it pretty well. She's also embarrassed and blushing, you know, through most of this scene, too. It's it's a very, very, very cute scene. It's nice. It's a nice moment of respite uh, with all of the crazy stuff happening elsewhere. But I did want to ask you, actually, because I know that we have Scarlet and Chase shippers, but then other people also don't ship them or they just don't focus on the romance. And honestly, well, before I get into what I think, I wanted to ask you, do you think these two, will there be a romance developed between them or will it just stay platonic? I don't know. On one hand, it would make sense. I think a lot of people would want to see it. I personally would want to see it. On the other hand, I really don't know. I really like their buddy cop dynamics and the friendship they currently have. And I don't know what anything more would look like between the two of them. So I'm pretty undecided on that, actually. What do you think? I think I feel pretty similarly, actually. I do really like the two of them together and I do ship them a little bit. I think it would be really cute to see something romantic develop between the two of them. I want to see more awkward blushes. I am definitely in that camp. But I also really like their rapport as is. I I actually think it's pretty unique to have the kind of rapport that's just filled with like friendship, you know, where they value each other and they deeply respect and care about each other. But it's not romantic. I kind of really like that dynamic as well. So I wouldn't be mad either way. I just think it would be interesting. But the season finale, which we will get to later, is setting up for things to come to a head and that relationship to potentially escalate. So I don't know. It could get real juicy. Juicy indeed. We learn a lot about Scarlet and Chase's backstory and motivations, and we explore them quite a bit more as characters in this season. We do. We learn a couple of really interesting things about Chase, including how he got fired from the police force in the first place. And how it affected his relationship with his mother. Yeah, by the way, his mom is really, really cool. Uh, she clearly loves Chase a lot. Um, I didn't realize until like the episode when she showed up that she literally pays for the rent in his apartment. He's unemployed. He has no money. And she is supporting him. I don't know many parents who would be so cool about that and so cool about a girl living with him as well. She's just like, I need to call him more. I need to check up on my son. Uh, which that part definitely made me laugh uh chase's mom is a real good egg yeah chase gets to sit at home and play wow all day seems seems pretty cool yeah (laughs) that's the life uh but you're absolutely right it does affect his relationship with his mom and it's one of the reasons his whole history actually is 
one of the reasons why he was forgiven and pardoned by his mom for uh, doing what he did, which he interrogated a murderer who had left his kids for dead in a trap. And he basically showed up at the police station taunting the police as a murderer. He wanted acknowledgement for his amazing planning. Like this kind of ego is not unfamiliar in murderers, especially serial killers. So Chase interrogated the guy, he found the kids, and he shot the father in the police station, which is a pretty big no-no if you're a detective on the police force. So yeah, that that definitely gets him, gets his ass fired. Understatement of the century there, but uh, go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, not not the best move to make. Totally understand why he's fired and why he's broke right now. But with his history, it does make sense, though. We find out a little later in the season that he is the son of a murderer. The police chief is his actually adopted mom. And we don't get a ton of information about this, but he is revealed to have had siblings. We don't know what's happened to them. It's suggested that his mother killed his siblings. So there's some really intense, tragic backstory there that we haven't fully explored, but we're starting to kind of get into what makes Chase Chase. And I'm the Grim Reaper is no stranger to doing this, to set up things in a very, not necessarily vague, but not specific way, and to let the viewer's imagination just kind of fill in the gaps and just follow the breadcrumbs like in a story beat that comes up later with the pills from season one. Yeah, that was something I've actually forgotten if we mentioned it in our season one review, but that was definitely something that I noticed and we actually talked about it. And it's something that Grave has followed up with. Those pills were not an accident. They were not just some random sleeping pills, you know, like some they were not innocuous is what I'm trying to say. Something is going on with Chase. He has some secret that he's not yet told Scarlet. And Scarlet as well is no stranger to having secrets. Despite opening up to Chase about her side grim reaping job. Side hustle. <laughs> yeah, she just casually cuts people down in alleys, you know, no big deal. Yeah. Although now that I think about it, it it actually is a main hustle. Let's continue. Yeah. There's a lot of mystery surrounding Scarlet's identity, and she does learn a little bit more through this season, but she doesn't learn everything. Yeah. We still have questions. And in the beginning of the season, up until the altercation with the Red Spades leader and that whole infiltration, which we will get into, only bits and pieces have really come back to her. We know she wore a white coat in her previous life. We don't know what that means. Uh, we do eventually learn Scarlet's true identity, her name, and it is Auntie Nora. But we don't know a ton else about her until we go take a trip to the Red Spades lair. So while Scarlet is fighting the members of the Red Spades and facing down the leader, Chase is able to sit down with Brooke. Brooke, at this point, has shown a little bit of apathy, or if not apathy, discontent about the Red Spades. He kind of just goes along because it works right now, and it's kind of comfortable, but this leaves him open to a very interesting conversation with Chase. 
Yeah, it's cool because we've definitely got a lot more information and Brooke's just gotten a lot more FaceTime too in season two of I'm the Grim Reaper. So we know a little bit more about him and what drives him as well as some of his vulnerabilities because in season one, he appeared to us as a character to be very cool, calm, collected, and honestly pretty unbothered. So to see some of the cracks in that facade has been really interesting. Chase takes notice of all these cracks, and he doesn't exploit them, but he bargains and negotiates with Brooke like a freaking pro. He not only correctly identifies what Brooke is feeling and what Brooke kind of wants, he also offers himself as a bargaining chip. He says, I'm the only one who can calm Scarlet down if her demon goes out of control again, which we didn't mention, but earlier in the season, Scarlet's demon goes completely out of control, and the reason why Chase gets stabbed is because he is trying to calm her down. Yeah, Brooke was the one actually, interestingly, to instigate that. I don't think he expected quite the response or the balance of power to be quite not in his favor as as much as it was. I think Scarlet really took him by surprise in that regard. But at this point, Chase is really the only one when Scarlet gets into that state where she loses control of her demon and there's this rush of power, basically, and she cannot think straight. Chase is the only person who is able to ground her in that way. And that's something I wish I'd mentioned a little early, too, because this is such a cool moment between Scarlet in Chase as well, where he is talking to her. He is trying to reach her, but he's also being completely sincere. And he says to her, because I've always known when it comes time for me to die, you'll be the one to kill me, Scarlet. I accept it. You are my judgment. I don't know about you. To me, that just sounds so much like a honestly kind of a romantic declaration. And there's more too. He says, but when you kill me, I want you to look me in the eyes and tell me that we did everything we could. I mean, come on. It, it really is. It's such a big moment of just intimacy again. I mean, Scarlet is literally killing him. She's not herself. She is, her demon is rampaging. It is out of control, but she is stabbing him and slowly killing him. And he is just present with her and speaking to her, hoping that she can hear him. And while this is happening, Brooke is present for the entirety of this. This is why he's scared of the Red Reaper. And this is why it's an effective bargaining chip for Chase to mention. Yeah, I think that this is actually where Brooke starts developing that fear, because I don't think he was afraid before. I think now, after witnessing this rampage and realizing how small the power dynamic is between the two of them, that's when he starts developing this fear. And it's not lost on him either that Chase was the person to calm her down when nothing else worked. During the negotiations, Chase also picks up on Brooke's need, or I guess dependence, on other people to tell him what to do and what his purpose should be. And Chase also uses that to his advantage. He does. It's funny because Brooke had criticized previously Scarlet for getting attached to someone like Chase, but he is also dependent in a different way. He needs a purpose and he is dependent on somebody else to give him that purpose because of the anxiety and the emptiness he feels with kind of an endless existence. It's part of the reason he became a reaper in the first place. 
So he joins Chase and Scarlet's side, which will be interesting to see. He doesn't tend to like getting too attached to things, but maybe his association with Scarlet and Chase will change that. But for now, he is motivated by his fear to help Scarlet tame her demon. Speaking of Scarlet, while this is all going down between Brooke and Chase, Scarlet is talking to the Red Spades leader. She's finally confronting her, and it's where we explore Scarlet's previous identity, and we get a couple answers as to who she was and what exactly she did that was so bad that would get her sent to the ninth circle of hell. So we know Scarlet's true identity. Her name was Antinora, and we know she has an insanely large debt, a debt of $5 million. And the reason it was so high is because she dealt in organs. She bought organs multiple times from the Red Spades group. We don't know exactly what she was doing with these organs. That part's still the mystery. The Red Spades leader is dead now, so we don't know that we'll get necessarily any answers from her either. But we know also that there are people higher up than even the Red Spades leader. She mentions people above all of us and how much power that they have. Who are these people? We don't know. And it is also very clear that Reapers equals power for the Red Spades leader, so it makes sense why she would have wanted to collect Brooke. Are Reapers also important to the people higher up? Are these people going to show up next season? There is setup for a lot of this and a lot of questions yet to be answered. Before we can learn anything significant, Chase's mom shows up and saves the day? Question mark? She definitely brings the weight of the police force behind her, and she ends the Red Spades infiltration for good, which is exactly what Chase was counting on when he called her here. He had presented the Red Spades infiltration and the Red Spades leader as the big thing in exchange for information and access to Case X. But the interesting thing is, and this actually surprised me, is that Chase's mom doesn't have access to KSEX. There's someone higher up or more powerful that does have access to KSEX that she has to go to, and that person is Judah. His name is Judah. He's also called a doctor. He wears a lab coat. There's a lot of questions about who he is, and we'll kind of explore that a little bit later when we talk about the finale and what's to come in season three. But he requires more favors from Chase's mom. And I have no idea what these favors entails, but I get a feeling, or at least I got the feeling, I don't know about you, Will, that this isn't the first time he's asked this from Chase's mom. Yeah, it definitely feels like that to me, too. He's honestly, ooh, he's shady. Gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> Shady Judah. Even the name. But let's move on to Liam for a second, because we haven't mentioned him yet. Liam shows up first as a concerned friend of Anna's, the woman who killed her own child earlier in the webtoon. And it's pretty clear from early on that something is off with Liam. And throughout this season, we learn that he is a bit fanatical, to say the least. Yeah, he's certainly very devoted. He goes over as a concerned friend. She's disappeared. He doesn't know what's happened. He has a lot of questions, understandably so, because, I mean, honestly, if I was in his position, this whole thing would be pretty shady as well. But he develops a friendship with Scarlet, which he kind of tries to use to find out more information, not in a nefarious way. He's just desperate for answers, basically. 
but uh, this leads to some pretty unfortunate realizations for him. His desires for answers do take a little bit of a backseat, though, as there is a new character introduced, and that is Bernadette, one of the Archangels of Heaven. Bernadette is singularly motivated. She feels the energy from other demonic and angelic beings, and she has felt the Red Reaper. Actually, she says that she can smell Scarlet's scent, too, which is interesting. I don't know if she can do this with other Reapers, but... She smells and she feels Scarlet losing control of her demon and killing innocents because Scarlet is really only allowed or she should be killing sinners, but she has broken the rules and so Bernadette has come down to sort of investigate and kind of punish her. Yeah, put her in her place, as she puts it. Mm-hmm. But we learn that she's not doing this on orders from God. Bernadette has gone rogue. Yeah, the character you would assume would act by the books and follow all the rules has chosen to disregard them and do what she feels is right, or at least necessary. It's kind of interesting because the way that Bernadette is written and the way she's portrayed in the webtoon, she's very adamant in her beliefs, but we don't really get a clear sense of her motivation. The only thing that, the only motivation that she's really presented with is Honestly, righteousness. And Will, I don't know, tell me your take on this, but it just feels like a very righteous kind of anger that Scarlet is killing innocents. It's her duty as Archangel to do something about this. That's how it read to me as well. I think this is something that will get revisited in later seasons, as right now, it is a little bit shallow. It is. I think you're right. This really only came up at the end of season two, so I agree with you. I think this is definitely going to be a feature in season three. But it is interesting to see because Bernadette is now a factor. We have to deal with her along with Scarlet having to work with Brooke to tame her demon, along with, you know, maybe something from the Red Spades, along with Judah, along with all of these other things. So it's going to be interesting to see. And Satan. How could we forget Satan? So it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Especially with the cliffhanger that we got dropped off at, with Satan telling Scarlet that she has until midnight to re-chase or she gets sent to the ninth circle of hell. Oof, it is the ultimate choice that Scarlet has to make. She has to choose between Chase or herself. And we know that Scarlet has a very real, visceral fear that her demon has been triggered by for getting sent back to the ninth circle of hell. And we also know that Chase and her love for her care for Chase and her loyalty to Chase as well is another thing that has triggered her demon. So it's, oof, I would not want to be the one with that choice. No, it is a very, very tough choice. And it's going to be really exciting to see where the story goes from there. Yeah. What are your thoughts from this season, but also just predictions of what's going to come in season three? I think season three is going to set up more of the big bads. It's not that the story is missing antagonists right now. There are a couple, Liam, Satan kind of, Bernadette, but we're missing the completeness of their motivations right now. And I think it'll be really interesting to see how it all comes together. Right. And to me, that's kind of the key phrase that I'm thinking of, like how it all comes together, because you are absolutely right in that we have different conflicts in different places with different characters, but none of them are really linking and interconnecting in any way right now. 
So I think season three will probably do more of that work in moving the pieces that have already been set together to complete the puzzle a little bit more. Like, for example, we will definitely be seeing more of Judah, the doctor. He's wearing a lab coat like Auntie Nora did. I have, I have so many questions. Like, did they know each other? I even have questions about why does he hold full access to Case X? Who is this guy? Like, is he the higher up in the police? But he also seems to have knowledge and control over actions at the Red Spades. So is he the big villain? That's something I'm really curious to see. How much does he know? Who is he playing for? Uh, or who is playing under him? And the other thing is Satan. I mean, we learn a little bit more about Satan, but he. Uh, but then again, like we also really don't know him at all. What makes him tick? Is he just an agent of chaos? I never know what I'm going to get with that guy. Will we get a resolution with this character? I don't know. And will God show up at some point next season? And we haven't even met the third Reaper yet. So, yeah, there's there's potential for a lot of things. There's a lot of pieces at work. And I think I speak for the both of us, Gertie, when I say that we're both excited to see how they get played in season three. Definitely. I am going to be looking forward to when I'm the Grim Reaper comes back. Thank you very much for listening today to our episode on I'm the Grim Reaper Season 2. I'm the Grim Reaper was one of the first webtoons that we did on this podcast, and it's always really fun to revisit it. Yeah, it was definitely really fun to talk about this webtoon again. It has been a while, but we're glad to be here and glad to see Season 2 end so successfully. If you want to discuss I'm the Grim Reaper with us, you can. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the Webtoon Room on both of those. And if you want to email us, you can find us at thewebtoonroom at gmail.com. Links are in the description box for this episode. We have fun there, and we'd love to have you there as well. So feel free to join us. In the meantime, though, it is time for us to sign off and say goodbye. We will be back to you with a new episode next week. We'll see you then. Bye.